to Not For Girls, a podcast by two women fighting gender stereotypes, talking about life, pets, and everything in between. My name is Nikki. Hello, I'm Leah. How are you, Leah? <laughs> well, I am A-OK, thank you. I'm really excited um, to talk about this topic, actually. Uh, when we first had the idea to talk about this, I kind of... I was like, I've not owned that many pets. I don't know how much I have to say. But it turns out, like, that it, this is a really interesting one. Um, and, yeah, so I've, I've had a busy week, but I'm really, really excited for this. How are awesome. you doing? Yeah, I'm OK. Like, same as usual. Nothing new to report, really. Just, you know, same old thing. I must apologise, though. I think someone has just began <laughs> drilling downstairs, which seems to be uh, a theme of whenever we record. Something happens. Someone's drilling. Um, so I do just want to say that if you hear bad background noise, that's what it is. I'm not going to go complain because that would be a bit much. Be like, hey guys, can you stop? I'm recording a podcast. But uh, apart from that, I'm all good. Do you know what? It's really funny that you say that because the second that I sat down uh, in my room downstairs uh, and got all this set up and ready, this like really, really loud, uh, sound like a moving van or something pulled up. And I was like, okay, great. This is going to be in the background for the whole episode. Touch wood. It's not right now. Um, but then the other thing is that yesterday, right outside my kitchen, um, like at the house that's over the over the fence from ours, they're having like scaffolding put up and drilling and all this sort of stuff as well. So like, what is it with this time of year and people going, do you know what? Yeah, let's let's do some renovations. <laughs> well, I think it's the lockdown as well. Everyone's like, well, we've got all this time. And uh, clearly they don't realise that we want to record a podcast. But it seems to be us, I think. I think we're a bit cursed sometimes. Every time we sit down to record an episode of Not For Girls, someone just goes, right, better get the drill out. <laughs> Podcasts <laughs> are not for girls. <laughs> they hate us. They're trying to shut us down. Yep. But we're not going to be shut down. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, we can we can get started into this then, talking about everything about about pets yay which, which i'm very excited to learn about your experience because i don't think we've ever really spoken about this so have you um have you had many pets before in your life as a kid or as an adult uh as an adult no as a kid yes and probably this is why it's not been something that i kind of talk about that much because i owned pets such a long time ago uh so in my life sorry i thought you were gonna give me a really traumatic story about how it was this one time when I was a child and I owned one, but not anymore because it something happened and I was like, oh my God, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. We were best friends, but it wasn't to be. We bonded, but people didn't want us to, to be pet and owners, so I ran away. We ended up in Argentina where we were hunted by a drug cartel. Since then, owning pets is just too painful. I thought you were going to say something like, the hamster got sucked up by a hunger. Oh! It's never the same. No, no, nothing that terrible ever happened. Um, Good. I was just a kid and I, I had a fish and then I had a hamster and then I didn't have any pets after that because I was really lazy and didn't want to like clean out the water or clean out the cages. And um, there was actually one time uh, I was about 12 or 13 and I was doing really well at school. I liked where I was living. I had really nice friends. 
and my dad got a new job and we had to move house and me and my brother and my sister who are all doing like just as well were genuinely devastated like this whole you know being uprooted starting over being mm. the new kid new kids always get picked on because they're new and nobody knows you or cares about you and uh so to get us on board they promised that we would be able to get a pet bunny a cute little bunny rabbit yeah. it never happened <laughs> Oh no. So my pet history. Sounds like you've never forgotten that either. Oh no, yeah, it's still a thorn in my side. If I don't get a bunny this this year, like, you know, for the holidays or whatever, I will I don't know what I'll do, but there I'll bring will you be one. Thanks. <laughs> That'll be hell to pay otherwise. Someone will get some comeuppance. And like well, my parents really. It was their their promise, but yeah. Um so yeah, I had one goldfish um and one hamster. Uh there's always the thing about um this is a bit inappropriate, really, but like your what your porn star name would be, um, because it's the name of your first pet and the okay. surname of the first street you grew up on. So I am counting my goldfish as a pet. Some people don't, but well, I love that your, fish. What's your name? Goldie Springfield. Oh, yes, I did know that. Nice. <laughs> mine was, uh, so it's the name of the, f- okay, yeah. So mine, mine is Max Medway. Oh, Max Medway. That's amazing. Max Medway and Goldie Springfield and not for girls. <laughs> oh, that could actually sound really like X-rated yeah. in the context of... Uh, okay, moving on. Yeah, what pets have you had, Nikki? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I need to speed through this because I, I had so many pets in childhood and as an adult, but I'll do my best. Um, my first pet ever was a pet... I was, I was barely even a baby... Uh, I think I must have been like one or two. And then we had a kitten called Max, which is obviously, you know, where that name comes from. Nice. And uh, yeah, he, he was amazing. He was a little black cat, which is probably where my love of black cats started. Um, I, I probably made his life hell. There's there's like a, a mov- home movie footage of us as literal babies. And like, we're playing in like one of my toy house, like dollhouse thingies. And like he keeps putting his paw through the door and I'm like shutting it. And to be fair, like, I'm shining it on his paw and I'm finding it hilarious. But he, he's coming back and we have this like, little thing. It's like this famous thing in my family. And to, I, But my dad would always say to me, he'd be like, you literally used to just run up to him and just yank his tail. But he he loved me. Like, for some reason, he loved me. And we grew up together. Um, and I actually, funny story. I know I said I was going to speak through this. I know that I'm not. Uh, I saved him <laughs> from, from the oven. From, from being cooked on Christmas Day, which is very fitting. Oh, my goodness. Christmas. Um. I was sat in like, a, uh, actually I was sat in the kitchen on the floor. My mum was putting, she put like the oven on to put the, the turkey in and she'd left it. And she, I think, yeah, she put the turkey in, but had the door open and Max had like snuck in. He was only a baby without her seeing. And so it was like warming up and everything. And apparently me being the baby on the floor, who was probably like one, or I know I couldn't talk properly. I was pointing at the oven and saying like, Maxie, Maxie. Maybe that was like my first word. I can't, I can't uh-huh. remember. It was, I think my first word was ducky. But anyway, and my mum was like, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> and my dad was like, why is she like doing this? So they opened the oven and like Max ran out and he was all um, singed. And uh, my parents, everyone just said to me, they were like, they just looked at each other and were just like, shit but if i hadn't have like pointed they would have had a cooked kitten for christmas oh, so, so you were, you would have been just like a, a baby or a toddler at that point literally if yeah. that was maybe your yeah. first word you would have been maybe like one and so i think maybe that bonded us i think like growing up and he did unfortunately pass away when i was about 15 but he really like was the most amazing cat he was so patient and 
and so I kind of, yeah, I, I loved him. We kind of had that little story. I had hamsters. I remember I had a hamster called Hammy. I had a hamster called Mowgli. And I had Lucifer, the hamster, which I'm not going to explain too much in this podcast. I explain it in, in a Game to Five episode about my hamster called Lucifer, who was the devil. Um, <laughs> my dad used to keep fish. We had a huge fish tank, I remember, which was quite cool. And uh, as I got older, like this was no exception. I kept keeping animals. I had chameleons. I had two chameleons who I loved very dearly. One of them called Maycar. And and I had another one called Midna. She didn't live that long, unfortunately, due to her baby making things going a bit wrong. Uh, and, uh, and then I got a basilisk lizard at one point <laughs> that I rescued and then got rescued from me. Well, not rescued from me. I didn't mistreat it. I, I rehomed it to like a, a, a good lizard place. Uh, and then I looked after a ferret at one point. Cute. This is going to be a really long list. I'm so sorry. Well, I know that you've also looked after animals that weren't pets, but you know, you had your snail, Tiny. Um, we heard about him. Oh, oh yeah, I had a new as yeah. well. Yeah. I took from the garden that nearly died. Um, yeah. Well, you are a, a, a an animal lover. Um, so yeah, you've grown up like just keeping them and you looking after them and loving them. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward like to more like me in the last few years i i had a, another black cat because I've, I've had two cats as well since since max and then i have had my recent cat neo who was another black cat who i absolutely adored he was like my soulmate. unfortunately no longer with us we'll get to that a little bit later um and my only current pet that i have now apart from one of my older cats who lives with my mum she's about 20 she's so old and amazing is an axolotl called zora if you don't know what an axolotl is it's like a mexican salamander that lives in the water it looks like Mudkip. It's based from Mudkip, actually, uh, as in they, they took inspiration from axolotls. They're critically endangered, but they're pretty cool. Google it. Axolotl. She is adorable as well. Well, he, she, because they're kind of genderless. Yeah. Well, um, they aren't genderless, but, but mine is. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're technically in like the larvae stage still. Um, they're, so... they're babies, yeah. yeah. But they're, well, they're, what they call them, they almost call them like Peter Pan, because... They don't. They don't grow up. They effectively are the only animals that can breed in like a larvae kind of juvenile state. Oh, that's amazing. They've they've learned to evolve to, to breed in that because most sorry this is becoming a science section already. Most salamanders like newts and stuff. They they live in the water and then they come out like that's their life cycle. They live in there when they're younger. They lose their gills, their external ones, and then they become uh, like salamanders on the on the land. But they don't do that. They've learned to to breed and reproduce effectively as babies. So, uh, yeah, she's about 10 years old now. She's cool. She's the only one I've got. She is awesome as well. I remember, like, coming over to uh, see your new place once you'd moved um, a while ago. And uh, it was after uh, lockdown and we were allowed. And, um, yeah, she she's awesome. She's really cute. And, like, she looks just like she's always smiling. And uh, she has really cool, like, looks like she has long fingernails, like a sassy typist, um, <laughs> which I really love. Is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's cool. I, I do I do enjoy axolotls. They're they're quite in my opinion quite easy to look after. Quite quite easy pets. People think they're quite tough, but they're not really like they as in tough to keep. I think all you really need is is a good filter and a big tank, and and they're pretty happy. So yeah, I I was gonna ask you actually obviously I know that we've sort of we've gone over our pets that we've had, and I'm I feel like I tried to do that in such a short space of time. <laughs> what pets do you want now? I really 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 want a dog. Um, mm -hmm. a dog would pretty much complete like like the home and the life that I just have here with my partner because it's just us at home and I think with the lockdown in particular 
Um, you know, a, a dog would be a really nice way of being able to get out of the house. We would get more exercise. It would be like another companion to keep us company and like brighten up our days. I think that basically pets can like massively enrich people's lives and benefit our mental health um, and our physical health as well because yeah exercising dogs is a really great thing to do um sadly however we have been kind of not cock blocked but dog blocked by the assholery of landlords um they have just said no basically uh, you're not allowed who asked them again since you moved in yeah yeah we have um so here in the uk uh it was announced back in january of 2020 uh that there was going to be a new model tenancy agreement which uh would say that uh, landlords cannot discriminate against people or deny them housing based on whether or not they have a pet. Uh, and the uh, housing secretary talked about this and said, you know, pets really do enrich people's lives. We want to make it easier for, for tenants and all this sort of thing. Uh, and then you look at landlords forums and they're like, oh, it's my property. Oh, if tenants are going to keep a pet, I'm going to be the one that's left with all the repairs and renovations. And, you know, if I say they can't have it, it's my house, so they can't. And it's like, well, OK, first of all, you've got a huge monopoly on housing. We have to pay you rather than buy our own because you own fucking 10 of them or whatever. And then second of all, like, it would still be our home. We're not going to, like, treat it like shit. Um, we would just look after it if we've got a dog there if we're living there it would be like a nice loving home that we, we would just appreciate um and it doesn't mean that tenants are gonna treat your place like shit you know and so i, f I feel really like um <laughs> i feel really passionately about that that people should be allowed to have have pets um I more easily here in the uk because we, we can't really at the moment i have to admit as well it, it's kind of shit because the whole thing that they're trying to do is, is about discrimination against people obviously having pets looking for accommodation. Um, but I feel like there isn't much for people that want pets that already are in rented accommodation. And and I feel like that's a, a really tough thing because yes, like don't discriminate, let someone live in your property even if they have a pet. But also the kind of people, people that do want to get a pet and are just being respectful yeah. of you and like not doing it without asking like if someone is asking you know be kind of like civil and come to maybe a compromise and say well yes okay have you you know would you be okay with either having like a cat that maybe is less destructive than a dog or you know can we have an agreement where if there is like outright destruction like there is a big shit on the floor that's staying the carpet like have agreement you know i if there's any damages i will pay this or even people that are offering even asking could okay pay 20 pounds more rent a month you know i know that's quite a lot but at least they're like giving you something you know like come to a compromise yeah so so much of the time it's just like a blanket no which is such a shame mm. um yeah such a shame but how about you do you see yourself getting more pets now so i i've, I've been having these dreams about getting another cat because <laughs> i i lost i lost neo must have been nearly like two years Oh, no, I can't even remember. Was it last year? Can't even remember. Well, it's it because must, it 2020 have... has lasted an average of about 10 years. So it doesn't... We've lost I all agree. sense of time. <laughs> I think it, I did... I think actually, no, I, I did lose him in like May 2019. But I remember he... So he, long story short, got diagnosed with cancer in December 2018. And I remember like... it. That's why I think I, I lose a lot of scope of, of time. And obviously 2020. 
And I think coping with like the loss of him, you know, I, I very much felt like, oh, I can't get another cat. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. Like it almost feels like you're dishonoring them. Like I'll never love a cat as much as I loved him. I know I sound like an insane woman. No, not at all because they have their individual personalities and you can really bond like individually with that one animal who becomes yeah. a part of your family. So like, I, I am sure that every pet owner listening to this right now will be like, oh my God, 100%. Yeah, if it, if it, it would feel like a betrayal. It would feel like a betrayal to love another cat. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it sounds ridiculous. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things, I think that also you, you go through a lot of trauma and, and stuff. So to, to kind of like, think about you know getting attached to another cat can be quite anyway we're gonna we're gonna get into that in a little bit longer but I I kind of want a dog now I've always wanted a dog I've grown up around dogs all my family have always had dogs I've never had one myself we we seem to get into a train of having cats and once you start getting cats you're like well I can only ever get another cat because dogs and cats are hard to to socialize and so now I'm at the point where I'm like well I don't have a cat that's living with me I could get a dog and I, I do adore dogs so yeah I really 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 want a dog and I'm in the same position as you but I haven't asked yet so I might ask soon just to be like um can I get a dog and I'd get rescue dog if I did I, w- I just want a little medium-sized rescue dog that would bring me a lot of joy yeah same I would even take a small dog like because houses they're not really that big um here like most people live in like you know, maybe just a flat or maybe like a small we have like a really small maisonette which is two floors but like the rooms are not huge um there's like not loads and loads of space so we wouldn't want like a massive dog that wouldn't fit anywhere <laughs> but yeah I would ha- happily take like a small one or a medium one uh I just I've always always wanted one and growing up we were never allowed ever um but my my brother uh he has uh, a, a few kids but he also has a couple of dogs uh which the kids absolutely love and I think it was kind of a big thing like because for me my brother and my sister growing up like knowing what that we really really wanted a dog and that we would love it and and all the rest of it he's now kind of able to give that to his kids which is really lovely and I mean they they do absolutely adore the pets like they are 100% part of the family uh it's just the cutest thing and growing up with them like it's just I mean it's a very chaotic household but like it is just so full of love um and I yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for like kids growing up with pets I think it you know it it just seems like a really great wonderful like fun mm-hmm. experience for them um and that's certainly what I thought it would be when I was a kid and we weren't allowed pets <laughs> so it's nice to see it at least like uh from the outside <laughs> it, it is and I I think for me it gave me it gave me so much obviously it definitely gave me where I am today because I know that what I want to do for my work is you know animal based to an extent whether it's caring for animals or, or doing something on a on a different scale but yeah like it did it brought me so much like learning how to care for animals kind of teaches you a lot of life responsibilities and and things like that but also on a sad note grief it teaches you a lot about about losing people and kind of life in that sense which I know is depressing and nobody wants to to tell their child that an animal has passed away but it kind of it kind of gives gives kids that kind of ability to, to understand life and loss a little bit more I think yeah absolutely totally optional um thing here but I did find uh, just for fun like a BuzzFeed quiz that says what uh, animal you should get based on what type of person you are (laughs) okay okay so would you describe yourself more as calm sneaky shy or sassy 
uh, sassy. Yep. <laughs> uh, which do you prefer, sleeping, running, hiking, or shopping? Sleeping. Yeah, I'm sleeping as well. Normally I'm hiking, but I'm like, if let's be real It's here. winter. What are you going to do? Hike up? I like sleeping. Yeah, sleep's awesome. Uh, pick a meal. Tacos, pizza, salad, or sushi? Uh, it's got to be pizza. I can't eat it really much anymore, but pizza. Yeah, but, you know, dairy-free cheese is, you know. Yeah. To its own. Uh, pick a celebrity. Harry Styles, Drake, Ariana Grande, or Tay-Tay? I don't know who the fuck Tay-Tay is. Taylor Swift. Oh, Tay-Tay, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I thought that was a rapper that I'd never heard of. <laughs> oh, oh, it's got to be Tay-Tay then. Sorry. Sorry, Tay-Tay, I didn't realise. That's okay. Uh, pick a place, or more like an environment. So snow, jungle, kitchen, or bed? Oh, jungle. I mean, I love the bed, but jungle all day, every day. Okay, and then uh, lastly, pick a wallpaper. Um, so there's one that's like brown cracked earth, one that's like green leafy pattern. One that is like uh, pink and red sprinkles and one that's like a pink background with open avocados on it. I feel like you know the answer to this. The leaves? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the pet that you should get based on your personality is a lizard. <laughs> I've had lots of them. Apparently. So, so there you go. Cool. That's awesome. And, and my result was um, was cat. So... I feel like I'm not a cat person, but only because I've never, like, really had cats. I'd be up for one if I could have it from, like, a kitten and it would actually like me. But every cat I've met kind of, like, claws up my jeans and shit. And I'm like, oh, can you not? I can't afford this many new jeans for every cat I meet. Ugh. Yeah. I tend to find the people that say that have just never met a good cat. And there are many different cats. There are cats that are assholes. Like, and I will fully support that. There are cats out there that I'm just like, I don't like you. Um, but there are cats out there that are fucking awesome, like my cat, for example. I've met some real cute ones. Uh, one of my friends, their, their cat was so dog-like in terms of the qualities that you associate with dogs compared to cats, where, like, he was so affectionate. He'd come and, like, press his head against your head and, like, purr like crazy, and that was, like, his way of hugging you. And he's just so, like, loved being, like, stroked and touched and held and, and all the rest of it and, you know, wasn't all, like, aloof and independent and, you know fuck you human uh, that we kind of associate with cats um, so I think it depends on the owner um, this is what I've come to realise that sometimes the pet's personality is more a reflection of the owner's personality <laughs> they're all, yeah they're, there's just so many different personalities and I personally think like whether you get a cat or you get a dog depending like I think the cat that you have like you will love and you will adore and I think I think that's it like I don't think anybody is truly a dog person or truly a cat person I think an animal is an animal and if you love it you love it and and you know like I said not every cat is great not every dog is great yeah so with the lockdown um do we think that people are more likely to get pets or less likely to get pets now yes so the pet industry right now from everything that i know and that i've experienced sort of recently working within this kind of sector a little bit more is is insane it's it's blown up completely and i'm not saying that that's necessarily a positive so a lot of rescue centers have just been cleared out people are adopting like anything people are buying pets like anything 
but people are then returning and putting their pets up again for adoption like anything it's this whole thing of people you know being at home and having more time and the kids being bored you know i i'm so happy that there's been you know rescue pets that have been taken home and taken into nice new homes and that are now being cared for like that's that's incredible and i'm so happy that owners well people no sorry people that weren't owners are now able to be owners of animals because they have a different lifestyle like that's that's amazing but unfortunately we are having this this kind of epidemic of, of people you know buying bunnies and hamsters and things like that for their kids in the sense to entertain them over lockdown or any on the pandemic but then not actually wanting them and you know either mistreating them or sending them back and it's yeah it's it's booming it's it's one just like the video games industry it's one of those industries right now the pet industry that is that is doing exceedingly well over the pandemic it's not failing it's just yeah it's so much going on I can see that, like, obviously, the the demand for for pets and and you know, so that instant economic, you know, um, boost or whatever is there is uh, creating like yeah such huge demand uh, and a lot more money into the industry uh, where you know more animals can be sourced and you know rehomed. But it's then the thing of when they're being taken back, which is like That's you it. know then these these places could become really oversubscribed where they can't, you know, they, I don't know how easy it is for them to reach capacity and then not be able to rescue more animals. Um, I mean, I guess, it, it, you know, there's more availability. So for people who really do want to adopt and want to take it seriously and commit to it, um, you know, that, that makes it a little easier for them as from a kind of consumer angle. But it's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah, yeah clearly, like, some people are being really fickle with it. And then other people are like, oh, my God, finally, I can, you know, increase my family and keep this animal that I've always wanted. Um, but I can completely understand why, like you said, you know, stuck at home or working from home and what an excuse to get out of the house and, and go and walk a dog um, and, you know, enjoy some fresh air. Oh yeah, the kids are really bored. Um, it's 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 really clear why you know people are looking to enrich their lives with pets yeah. at the at the moment. There are very big positives and very big negatives. I think I'm worried about the influx of of dogs going and, and cats going into rehoming centres towards the end of all of this. That what if it starts to end? You know, I, I'm worried about that. Um, like I said, if people are being responsible and you know it's something that they, maybe they thought about for a long time and now they have that lifestyle, fantastic. But yeah, it's just it's a very strange time right now. It's a really really strange time uh, for for a lot of these places. Also, the rescue centres aren't doing that well in regards to necessarily like getting funding and, and things like that and actually being able to to sort of support the animals that they already have. It's it's a it's a tough time. It's a weird time though. But one thing I'll I'll say to end end that little subject is um pets aren't just for lockdown. Yeah. So remember everybody to to think very carefully before you you get an animal whether you're buying a puppy or a kitten because that's the thing the puppy and the kitten they're 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 the ones that are, they're really getting brought up right now and just think carefully yeah and uh, absolutely i second that 100 percent. and it's not just um a pet it's not a possession it's not an object it's a little life and it has rights and it, it needs to be you know respected and loved just as much as you know any other living being would um so yeah uh it's it's yeah, I, I think not a knee-jerk reaction to just feeling a bit bored or lonely. Real, yeah. you know, long-term choice, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I also just quickly wanted to touch upon, I say quickly, 
I, n- I never quickly touch upon anything. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to something I was talking about a little while ago, which was like pet grief and pet loss and stuff, because it's it's such a big, it's such a big thing now. And I think, fortunately, I think in places like workplaces, it's becoming more of an acknowledged acknowledged thing about how we how we treat pets now and and how they connect to our lives. And I feel like more and more that pets become prevalent in our lives, they become more like children and they become more like family members. I know when I lost Neo, like I literally couldn't go to work for like three days. And fortunately my work were very understanding. They knew of the situation cause I'd been going through a lot of like the um, procedures and stuff for him. But I know that a lot of places just don't have any sympathy. And, and I, I think it's really important to touch upon the fact that pets can kind of cause the same kind of pain for when they leave just like a family member would do and especially when it comes to sort of caring for chronic or terminally ill animals it's supposed it's supposedly did like tests and research on it where um like the depression and anxiety and overall well-being for someone who is looking after an ill human or family member is exactly the same to someone who is a caregiver to an animal exact same pain exact same stress and uh, it's it's not a shock really, as I said, because we do we do treat them like family members, and a lot of the time people people do say that they have suffered greater pain, which I know this is going to be completely subjective, greater pain from losing a pet to what they have done a family member like a grandparent, and it's it's incredible really, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people just think, oh, it's just a cat, oh, it's just a dog, and they don't necessarily recognise how these pets can impact our lives. I don't think people realise until they own them how much you really can bond with an animal. And um, this reminds me, actually, I recently had to uh, look into, you know, Chris Packham? Um, Not personally. Not personally, no. (laughs) Uh, He was a presenter on, was it The Really Wild Show or something like that? Yes, he does a lot of good stuff. Yeah, he's really into rewilding and he's a big, you know, nature um, sort of conservationist and things like that Uh, I recently had to look into uh, his book that he wrote which was called Fingers in the Sparkle Jar and uh, it's about how even as a kid like he loved animals he would keep like bugs in in jars in his garden and he'd like look at them and yeah I mean he has like really uh, it's kind of part memoir part um, you know kind of nature writing I suppose or animal writing from a conservationist point of view but he talks about um, his experience particularly as as somebody who has autism and how he struggled to relate to to human beings so much and that he was always seen as different Um, but animals and nature was where he felt that he belonged Um, and that there's a really uh, moving section of, of the book where he talks about losing a a pet that he'd kept which he'd always wanted and it was this kestrel and it's really funny because I had to sort of study this book and look at the language that was being used and there were parts of it where I kind of thought you know oh it's not quite my cup of tea I don't love this description but that part like I listened to the audiobook of it and how deeply it affected him how he just describes that grief it honestly made me cry it's like being punched in the chest like and that is something that I think a lot of people can relate to I think that is a really human thing it's something that worries me about if I ever have pets because I am an absolute soppy 
mushy little marshmallow at the best of times, mm-hmm. let alone if I absolutely love and adore this other living, breathing, you know, slobbering, <laughs> adorable, fairy, four-legged part of my family. Um, it, it really would, I think, you know, hit so hard. Uh, and, and I think that that is just the only drawback in terms of like being quite sensitive and quite self-aware that I know I would I I would get years and years of hopefully you know love and enjoyment and memories with this with this you know animal but that the absence of them would would honestly it it would it would be so hard (laughs) it's it's uh it's a tricky one isn't it because you are committing you're consciously committing to like all of that future pain when you get a pet um But yeah, but you, then you can't get that unless you take the good times as well. You know, it's very much, um, it's, it's they both so come together. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's so difficult. Like, I think when like you knew when all this sort of stuff was going on with my cat Neo, like you were aware Yeah. Of I remember you, kind of... you saying that you needed to take time off work and I was like, do it, just do it. Even if they don't understand, just take, take the time. You have to, you know, you can't force yeah. yourself. And it's it's tough because he lived about 10 years which is a lot lower than I would have liked you know I've, I, cats can live up to sort of 20 to even I think maybe the oldest was like 22 or something I'm not yeah, sure yeah they can get a very quite long old time. you know the, the cat my mum is, is still looking after Emmy well she's a family cat really but you know I got her when I was about 12 13 you know I'm 30 now that cat has spanned decades yeah what about 17 ish years yeah. I guess near... you yeah, yeah she's what, she's about 18 18 I, yeah I gosh wow but she you know it's amazing you never know you never know how how long they're gonna live it's it's just one of those things where you get an animal and and unfortunately you have to sort of come to terms with the fact that they they are gonna pass away at some point and and I knew that and I'd gone free you know I've had two of my other previous family cats die I've, I've gone all the animals obviously that I've had that, that as, as owned pets like in my care all the time have you know have passed away unfortunately but that is because it's been the end of their time or something's happened with Neo I you know I really wished that that never happened but unfortunately he got um he got cat cancer effectively and we did um it, it's a very controversial topic and I'm not really going to go into it right now um but he did have to go he did go through chemotherapy and we made that decision based on like all of the information that we we had at the time and also he had a rare fungal disease in his nose that he's now had a paper written about him because he's he's the only cat that's ever like fought cancer while having this particularly very rare fungal disease that has been found oh. mostly in Australia never really anywhere else because it comes from uh, eucal- decaying eucalyptus leaves and we didn't know that he had cancer it was only because he had outward signs of this weird fungal disease that they then found out that he had cancer and so we actually managed to cure it that's why he's got a paper written about him but then obviously couldn't cure the, the cancer because that was permanent but he did amazing through the chemo and it gave us six more months of, of his life and they were really lovely six months tough fucking tough that's what we're talking about caregiving and stuff it's so hard but it, it was worth it and he actually had a really good six months uh, until unfortunately it just caught up with him but yeah it absolutely destroyed me as a person like I just I've never known a cat to to actually like accept help, like want help, like they're, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cry. No, I'm not really, I, I'm fine. I'd have to like wipe his nose from the fungal thing and he'd, he'd want me to do it. Like it was almost like he would just, you know, I'm like fucking swabbing his nose and he's just accepting it. He, he would only let me do it, but he was like, he would know that he needs it. And he was a boss at chemo as well. Like he would just, they would always say how patient and incredibly amazing he was and he'd never fight ever he'd just be like yeah it's cool 
Um, he was he was incredible. He was an incredible cat. But I think the thing is why why they really affect us is because they are that family member, and we, you know they're a part of our schedule as well like most pets have to wake up at a certain time uh, go for a walk and you see them every day and you feed them and they're just they're always there and i think that's why it impacts people more than it what it does maybe a family member that you don't see very much this animal is like there with you like every day and especially if you have to do a caregiving part you know for, for whatever reason um it's yeah it's it's insane i wanted to mention as well the fact that I remember when I was working at a call centre just around the time that he'd unfortunately passed away and I had a phone call come through and I so I used to work for an insurance company where yeah we just talk about like general insurance stuff but he'd phone up about something I can't remember what it was he'd had some time off work this this guy and he ended up telling me why and you know he'd said oh he says he says I'm a bit embarrassed said people at work make fun of me he said but I've actually had the time off because my dogs died and you know I said oh I'm so sorry and everything and and he just sort of started opening up saying, you know, this this dog was like my child. He said, I don't have any children, but this dog was like my kid. And he said, I've just not been able to work for a month. He said, it's just, it's absolutely destroyed me. And, you know, I, I brought up my experience and, and how like I kind of was like, no, honestly, like, don't be embarrassed. Like this was, you know, exactly me. I said, you know, I said, I even got a tattoo of my cat, which I've got on my arm. And he was like, I just got one. And we literally both just started crying. Like I was Aww. honestly where, like, and he afterwards like he was so thankful he was like thank you so much like you made me feel so much better he was like i really hope you can get through this and he says i really hope i can get through this and you know and we sort of had this nice kind of melancholy end to the conversation and afterwards i just bawled my eyes out still i was just like oh my god because it's something so human to love an animal it really is and i think as yeah, long as people start as they are now you know start understanding that this this attachment that we form it's also it's also science there's also been studies on it where they found that um people have increased oxytocin when they bond with an animal from social interactions which is oxytocin is effectively what's released when you're kind of like uh falling in love and stuff oh and newborn children as well i think you get it if you have a child so yeah that that explains it it makes perfect sense and and i think that's really important so anyone out there that obviously could be struggling with this kind of thing like honestly like you're going to feel like you've lost a child because effectively you have in some ways. I yeah, think. that's at least how we interpret it in terms of our, you know, physiology. Now, I got really emotional and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry anyone that I've upset. You couldn't tell, but when you're talking about like swabbing his nose and how like he needed you to do that and he was okay with it. Oh, that genuinely, I got like the prickle behind yeah. my eyes of like the tip, like, oh, honestly, that's, uh, whew, it's just so heartbreaking. Oh my God, don't cry. Oh, we're fine. We're fine. Let's move on. Just a second. Oh, I'm so sorry, Leah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we can cut this I'm, out. <laughs> but this is what this is it. I don't think I ever knew your cat. Like oh. I say in person, but in cat and person. But but like, is that bond? I know. Yeah. For an animal, um, to have with a person, because I think that's the other thing. It's a mutual, like relationship. Yeah. It's not just like they're a substitute for you they love they love you back you know i know i'm so sorry i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm such a wimp honestly no. i'm such a marshmallow i i normally like i normally i normally cry my eyes out when i sort of talk about it and and, and think about it and stuff but i think yeah it's it's hard it's, it's kind of coming to terms with it it's taken me a really long time to come to terms with it oh my goodness honestly what an idiot i can't believe i cried honestly um, i didn't i that was not my intention um i tried 
to not make it like it's one of those things I was trying to not make it too sad and, and make it kind of but it is sad it is and that just tapped in just hearing that just tap straight into that feeling and it's a really weird one because it's not a feeling that I've that I felt really um not recently um I remember <laughs> I remember having it as a kid but it's not something that like I tend to relive or remember that much because I remember uh, me and my sister had uh, t- like matching hamsters they were from the same litter and they were these like little Russian dwarf hamsters they were adorable they were so tiny and hers was called Peter mine was called Pip because it just looked like a little Pip out of like an apple it was really cute and like I loved him and I would like take him out of his cage and cuddle him and like you couldn't be too excited like we always were like (laughs) my sister will probably hate me for telling this story but I remember she was so excited about this hamster she probably can't have been older than about six or seven she like went up to his cage and she was like I love pizza. I can't wait to hold pizza. And she picked him up out of his cage and squeezed him and he nipped her right on the finger. Because he's like, right, you know, you've yeah. you've scared me here. And she sort of drops him back in the cage, shuts the lid and goes, I hate pizza. <laughs> That's the best story ever. But my um, hamster, Pip, he was the younger brother. He was like the runt of the litter. And he died after only maybe like six months or a year or something. And so I had him for a really short time. And, you know, the memories that I had with him were just kind of cuddling him really gently or putting him in his little exercise ball to run around and then giving him a little hamster food. And I used to like him put all the watch him put all the food in his cheeks because I just think that's really funny and cute when hamsters do that like where are you going you're in your cage your food's right there but they're like no no I I really do need to save this for later I'll just jam that in my cheeks right there (laughs) this is so funny but yeah I do remember like crying and kind of feeling really sad when like it was uh, he sort of passed away overnight and I think my parents got up in the morning and saw you know oh Pip's not quite made it because Peter used to beat him up we had to get them separate cages because they were they were brothers yeah Peter would always beat him up and um, and so I remember being really sad and then but that that was the last pet that I owned myself like I never got my brother and sister got hamsters again a couple of years later but I I decided not to because I was like I'm just gonna die again (laughs) so (laughs) I think that I'm still going through that considering I'm such a a sad sack but (laughs) that's fine you never know yeah you can end up getting a cat like um Emmy the one that's currently in my mum's who is fucking going on 19 and she's you know she's not showing any signs of going just yet so you never know you can never end up having an animal that lives forever or do you know what you should get actually if you never want to experience your animal dying on you get a tortoise yeah a tortoise turtle or tortoise or, or a parrot parrots live a long time yeah and i could teach it to like say sassy shit yeah oh there you go it's a pet for you well it will definitely outlive you buzzfeed need to update their quiz because yeah. they told me to get a cat but i feel like <laughs> yeah the ones your suggestions would be better <laughs> yeah. anyway that was a turbulent subject should we move on to yes. something uh, a little bit different to get us yeah sure thing should we cheer up by talking about how uh you know the patriarchy's bullshit yes. <laughs> or do you want to do science section no let's go on to talking about pets when it comes to gender yeah cool okay so did you want to did you have some insights you want to talk about on this because i i found some stuff but i didn't know if you wanted to to come in on this so honestly i'll probably just introduce this topic because i don't really have anything other than like kind of what i have seen throughout life which is the fact that 
I think there are a lot of stereotypes when it comes to pet keeping. People often assume that women will have things like very small dogs, like chihuahuas, and burly men will have like mastiffs and staffies, and like men will have like reptiles and snakes and dangerous animals and, and that kind of stereotype. That's definitely something that people I think often assume is the way. But that's I don't I don't have too much oh and then the crazy cat lady stereotype is a thing, which is ridiculous. Um, and just the yeah that that's all I really wanted to come I don't have any stats or anything written up I just that's just my perspective yeah um no absolutely I agree with you and yeah I, I thought about the crazy cat la- lady stereotype as well and uh so I did a bit of research into this I was like why is that a thing where does it come from why you know why is it still like talked about and you know not upheld but yeah why is it still a thing and uh and yeah I found out I found out some stuff so one of the first and like most widespread uh, portrayals of this kind of crazy cat lady, um, and, and I'm talking global portrayals as well, is in The Simpsons. Uh, there's their character, Dr. Eleanor Abernathy, MDJD, uh, who is known in the show by other characters as the crazy cat lady. Um, so I looked into, you know, her character to be like, well, why, you know, where did she come from? Is she an original idea? Like, what, what is she? Her story in in the, the Simpsons goes that she earned an MD from Harvard Medical School and a JD from Yale Law School by age thirty two, when she began to suffer from burnout and turned to alcohol. Um, and I never knew about that backstory. Maybe it's only alluded to in like one. No, me neither. I, I, it might just be kind of a flashback from like one episode or something, maybe. But yeah, I never knew about the backstory. But even that, like taken on its own kind of could be seen as suggesting that women can't really keep up with the demands of academia or professional careers um or it could also be seen as a commentary on women who stay single and never marry uh and this idea that they use cats as a substitute for a husband uh, by you know just having a loving existence in a domestic setting um, that mutually rely upon one another to meet their needs that kind of thing um but after a little more digging i found that her character is supposedly based on Edith Big Edie Ewing Bouvier Beale. Um, so Edith Beale was a cousin of JFK, funnily enough. Um, in her later life, uh, her sanity declined um, and she lived out her sort of uh, twilight years in a dilapidated mansion on Long Island called Grey Gardens. Uh, so it's kind of based supposedly on a real person um, but that myth has been upheld by loads of other media portrayals and narratives in women's magazines and uh, Robert De Niro did like a crazy cat lady sketch for SNL back in 2004 uh, in 30 Rock Liz Lemon had a storyline about getting a cat um, and being portrayed similarly and then because I, yeah, you know I'm a big dog I kind of looked into this a little bit more and like everything in terms of like I guess uh myths and things like that um this goes back to a really long like historical and cultural connection between cats and women um so that's obviously resulted in the negative stereotyping especially of single female cat owners so yeah there's a long history of using feline inspired words to describe women with a negative spin like being catty or being a cougar or having a cat fight Um, when used in reference to women. Well, the other part of the language is that some of it is so sexualized. Like, you think about the word pussy, you know, why why is that a thing, you know? Like, it's really strange, but, like, our language really upholds these kind of stereotypes as well. So, yeah, there's a 
Forbes writer called Kiri Blakely who wrote about this. Um, she basically talks about how uh, felines and women are both often characterized as being sneaky, inscrutable, and difficult to please, uh, and are either held in high esteem or looked down upon. Um, so you have the polarity of like ancient Egypt, where cats were worshipped and revered and seen as sacred. And then you have uh, witchcraft, where cats are seen as uh, satanic and devilish and evil. And it's the same with women in terms of like the Madonna whore complex. You know, it's either this like, yeah, uh, heralded, you know, like uh, beautiful aspirational ideal or, yeah, this kind of evil, corrupting kind of presence. Um, And uh, and yeah, so it kind of... It, it all kind of stems from that and there's there's big religious connotations there as well like particularly in in the west there's like uh a medieval text from the 13th century called the malleus maleficarum uh which said that uh there's this like folk tale which basically said that three witches they came forward um to say that a man had attacked them and they accused him of assaulting court and uh he said that they were three witches they turned themselves into cats um and yeah and that they were evil so yeah they like from that myth (laughs) witches were believed to have cats as familiars or to change into felines um at night um so it's really bonkers yeah really bonkers how far back this goes because i i I know prevalent from you know like when we were growing up and stuff I always felt like there was a trope in in movies and TV shows and stuff, and she like was like had talking animals that like the male was always the dog, and the male was always sort of shown as a bit stupid, a bit like dim, um, and and kind of clunky, and the females were always kind of the cats that were a bit more like sly and sneaky, and maybe not always so nice. And I always felt like there was that kind of that gender stamp on it on it all, and I, I definitely know that growing up. That I, that I saw that a lot but it's really interesting to know like how far back that goes but also like some of the stupid things that it's come from like the cra- the crazy cat lady trope I think is silly because if you, you can have a, a crazy like lady if you want to use that term that has 10 dogs and not be called a crazy dog lady like it seems to be this thing with cats where women are sort of associated especially like middle-aged women if they don't have a partner oh they're going to have a load of cats yeah and it, it annoys me. Like, I, I get it. I get kind of where it stemmed from and I get what they're trying to, to get at. But you could literally be a crazy anything lady if you really, if, do you know what I mean, if you really wanted to. If you could be a crazy lizard lady. But, like, it seems to be cats. It is. Cats. Yeah, you're 100% right. Um, so, yeah, it's this idea that, like, gender myth associates women with cats and men with dogs. And uh, psychologist and animal welfare advocate Pia Salik says that canines offer a more consistent reflection of one's status as an alpha. Um, They deliver doting behaviour without their male human having to ask for it and are seen as less of a threat. If you compare that, uh, for example, with um, Bob Kane, who's the co-creator of Batman, um, and he talks about his creation of Catwoman, um, this is literally a verbatim quote. He says, I felt that women were feline creatures and men were more like dogs. While dogs are faithful and friendly, cats are cool, detached and unreliable. Which is ridiculous. Right? He goes, it goes on. You think you're mad now? Just wait. (laughs) He goes on. Cats are as hard to understand as women are. You always need to keep women at arm's length. We don't want anyone taking over our souls. And women have a habit of doing that. Uh, Bob Kane there, creative Catwoman, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 
That's just a stupid societal stereotype. Yeah, and, like all I want to do is own cats and take over people's souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty it, well, bullshit. it is. I'm joking. I'm being very facetious, but like, yeah, there's um, it's it's really entrenched um and yeah it is with cats in particular this idea that cats are yeah evil and that that relates to women it kind of goes back to the whole religious idea of like original sin and how eve was the one that ate the apple and so Mm -hmm. everything that's evil in the world is women's fault forever and that's just like so deeply entrenched but like even now when you uh sort of question these um stereotypes uh pet smart charities did a survey uh which showed that 49 percent of the americans so almost half of the Americans they surveyed believed the long-standing stereotypes around cat owners were true, including the cat lady image um, of the, the crazy cat lady. However, um, multiple studies into any relationship between mental health and pets, um, there's been no correlation that cat owners are more or less susceptible to health issues at all um, than those with dogs or no pets at all. So um, 100% scientifically, it is there is no corroboration for this stereotype whatsoever, um, but it is so deeply culturally entrenched in like, uh, you know, our mythology, yeah. our religion and our cultural artifacts, you know, TV shows, um, movies, comics. Um, yeah, it's all being like upheld and perpetuated by that, which is just, it's how stuff becomes a stereotype and it's how stuff becomes like oppressive and stuff so yeah it's uh good to talk about it so that we can kind of understand it and like it helps Mm. dismantle it when when it comes up i suppose it's frustrating as well because the behavior of cats and, and having a cat as a pet is actually one of the least dedicated okay i'm i think what i'm trying to say is they're the most low right they're low maintenance because Low maintenance, that's the word. Okay, I'm going to stop there again. They're the most, like, low maintenance pet you can have because, I mean, unless you've got an indoor cat, you d- you know, you don't have to take it for a walk like you would a dog. Um, if it's just going outside, you have a cat flap. They come and go as they please. They come and go as they please. All you've got to do is feed them and just make sure that they're okay. Like, that's the main thing with cats. If you've got an indoor cat, obviously, it's a little bit different. And so this whole thing really annoys me because I'm thinking, well, okay, if you're a lady with, like, free cats, like, and they're all outside cats, there's, they're not going to constantly give you that companionship. Like, cats are very, like, hit or miss. Some, some of them are quite independent. They don't necessarily want that much affection, but they're just there. They're just there, and that's nice, and that's a nice thing. Some of them are more like dogs, and that's okay too, but they're not this sort of big thing. A lot of people have dogs that are very, very much for companionship, but yet we don't have a crazy dog lady trope, even though they could actually probably provide more comfort and more companionship than yeah. a cat would. And so, yes, it's yeah, all bullshit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm glad we, we, we're kind of edging on science section territory there, because yeah, I, I did kind of cite we some are. studies, but um, we can link that really nicely into science section um, if, uh, you know, there's, if that's okay, if you have some... Yeah learns for us (laughs) (laughs) i've got a lot of learns and i'm gonna try and not make this as long as it would need well it needs to be long unfortunately to an extent because if we ask ourselves the question which i think is the main question that anyone will think that we're asking in science section is why do we have pets i think that's the main thing because it's a weird thing like we are the only species really that keeps pets like there's been some scientific studies of like random monkeys and and things like that adopting like cats and stuff in the wild like young uh wild cats and things like that but we it's it's just us it's a very human thing and 
And both in the United States and Australia, apparently 63% of households include pets. In the UK, it's not so much. It's 43%. I don't know when this when this. Yeah, but that's done, because but of our shitty landlords. Sorry. Mine seems <laughs> exactly. nice in all other ways, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the United States, the proportion of households with pets is larger than those with children, which which is fair enough, to be honest. But um, it's it's a big thing. And no one knows for sure when animals were first domesticated. It's a big it's always a big question. No one is fully sure of when this happened. But I think it's important just to quickly understand the definition of domestication. So domestication means taming an animal to live alongside a human being as a pet. But to understand domestication, we kind of need to understand the definition of taming. So taming is the condition, behaviour and modification of a wild-born animal when its natural avoidance of humans is reduced and it accepts the presence of humans. But domestication is the permanent genetic modifications of a breed lineage, like we have with dogs, that leads to an inherited predisposition towards humans. So when we're talking about this in particular, we're talking about like pure domestication, not things like owning a snake or a lizard or things that are a bit more uh, wild, I suppose. Domestication and taming, I think, really refers to things like to things like cats and dogs. Um, we, we can sort of domesticate an animal to an extent, but, you know, with dogs and cats, they want to kind of be there. Like they they're there with you it's it's hard it's a very like strange thin line because you could also say well domestication of livestock like sheeps and cows but anyway we won't get into that it's a very big topic as you can probably of understand course, yeah and i guess that the domestication side of things comes from like a reliability on food and being fed from the animal's part like just from an evolutionary yes. standpoint is that right to an extent yeah um it's it's tough like taming is is more i guess i would think of like cows and sheep they're tame they're not gonna like go at you but the domestication actually leads them to kind of want to be near you it's like i said it's it's a very it's a very tough thing to define because an animal may rely on you but it doesn't mean that it's predispositioned to want to be around you if yeah that makes sense but so yeah from the beginning of time we have always had a i think humans have always had an interest in animals this probably starts about 2.6 million years ago where humans become became very interested in animals and we started using them for things like livestock and horses for things like transportation but the idea of us actually having pets um probably started more so with dogs i think dogs were are believed to be the first domesticated uh, and tamed animal. I think generally they think what happened was that wolves and things, because all domesticated dogs come from wolves, they were living around human settlements, they were sort of closing in, they would probably start stealing some of our food. Uh, the closer they got to us, they would have obviously become a little bit less scared. And and I, I don't know exactly what would have happened, but I'd imagine it was kind of, we created this kind of beneficial relationship for both um, humans and dogs where they they probably ended up relying on us for the food that we were giving them and genetically in an evolutionary sense if more if more wolves were coming to us and getting food they're more likely to survive therefore the tamer wolves would be doing better if that makes sense and because those tamer dogs would pass their genes to other tamer wolves dogs whatever then they would become more tame if that makes sense and that's where yeah. we kind of build that relationship um and obviously, eventually, we would have taken them in uh, in like a more of a family sense. And I'm talking about cats here too. I don't quite know how the the cat domestication would have occurred. I would imagine it'd been something similar: feeding them. They would have been wild cats initially back in the day. Potentially feeding them, they would have started coming in, and then generations and generations and generations. That was when you would start to get 
the the actual genetic makeup of having a, a tamer animal they've done loads of studies with like wild foxes and stuff in russia they're really really interesting that i recommend you checking out there's so much when it comes to domestication and, and taming and things like that and you can see it literally you can see it in like the course of 30 years which is which is super interesting um yeah that is interesting i did did watch uh, a documentary where because um foxes are like part of the canine family and so um these researchers were looking to like breed foxes that were tame in the sense that like you said they never shied away from human mm-hmm. contact and see if they could be domesticated in the same way as dogs and whilst the foxes were like very um calm and you know like relaxed in people's presence like once um, this research has taken place they weren't like dogs in the sense of like you know you open your front door and like the dog would come bounding up to you want to be in your presence straight away would like want to like come up and kind of nuzzle you and have affection um foxes never had that um so i'm assuming that this like would take place over a much longer breeding program the the like experience with foxes and stuff is super interesting I think it's done over the course yeah, of like are. 50, 60 <laughs> years maybe. Um, and you can see the results, like you, you can see it. I, I have to admit like with, with those studies, you do have to question the welfare to an extent. I don't think it was it was great, but on, on a like a scientific sense, it was super interesting. But yeah, so the domestication of dogs, the reason why it's, it is what it is today is because that was over the course of about, they think about 20, 27,000 years. Um, to, wow, um, 27,000 yeah. years, my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of evolving taking place there. I think there. <laughs> the first kind of dog as we would know it was I think maybe, oh, this is this could be all wrong, potentially maybe 10,000 years ago. So it would have been over the course of a very long time. And as you were saying, like you, you basically effectively take the tamest puppy or cat out of a litter and then that is the one that you're breeding. You you kind of don't continue breeding on the the most aggressive, the most one that doesn't like humans. You keep doing that for such a long period of time, you've got a domesticated animal. Like it's that's just science. Yeah. Um, science is amazing, to be honest. But um, but I guess we can kind of come to the reason as to like, but why? Because yes, that's the process. That's how it happens. But why? And I think that I, there's a few reasons as to why it could be, and a big one is. Um, how it affects us like it, it brings us joy like everyone knows about therapy animals right you know they animals bring us um well they can decrease like levels of stress hormones cortisol they can boost the release of a, a neurotransmitter serotonin resulting in lower blood pressure and heart rate and possibly raising your mood as we were saying about oxytocin you can bond with them so obviously you know it, it can bring us joy which is really lovely but also there could have been some other things going on, which I think to be like, personally, it's a, it's a big, a big boiling pot of everything. But in regards to sexy time back in Cave James's time, apparently oh, no. sharing your life with an animal, if you're a woman, could have shown that you were, uh, if you were like helping like a helpless animal or, you know, feeding a, a little, I don't know, chicken, um, you could be an indication of your caregiving qualities as a future mother. That's just a hype. Like, these are all theories. None of these are proven. It's just, like, little things that I thought were oh, interesting. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, people, oh, like, oh, fucking no. animals Leah, back in the no. games. <laughs> Leah, no. I was like, oh, no. We're not oh, getting into no. these um, Okay, about... I see. It was like a come and mate with me because look I can look after things. Look how much a good mother things. I am. I'm, I'm stroking this. I got you. <laughs> That's much better. I thought you were saying that, like, you know, our great, 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 great no. grandfathers Sorry. in Cave James' time were like, oh, do you know what? 
though, that saber-toothed tiger is pretty hot. No. <laughs> like, furries are part of our Are we talking about <laughs> part of our history and a potential, you know, mother or something? The caregiving, yeah. yeah, the nurturing. Okay, that makes so mm-hmm. much more sense. And I'm much happier believing that than Good. the other thing. It could also, <laughs> as we were saying earlier about our own experiences, it could also be genetic. So I don't know if you're aware of this or if you can think about it in your family, anyone that's listening, and you, Leah, as well. But for me, um, pet keeping can run in families or does run in families. I literally think of all my family members right now, everyone has pets, everybody. Maybe like one or two don't. Wow. Like one or two don't. Uh, I don't know, like 2% out of 100, um, all have pets. And it shows that recent research uh, could have this genetic basis to it. So it's depending on your upbringing, some are predispositioned to seek out the company of animals. And, and these genes could actually be from a really long time ago where some farmers and stuff would have had like dog early domesticated dogs to help them kind of look after the livestock or like hunt with them and so therefore your your ability your empathy to be able to to have these relationships or want to have these relationships with animals could actually be coming back way further down the line than you realize which is really interesting Uh, that probably does that probably does come into it in my case because i think when when my mum did like our family tree uh a few years back we are we come from good old farming stock (laughs) that is what we were back you know like generations uh english scottish and irish uh farmers is mainly like my (laughs) lineage i think so in terms of care for animals and looking after animals then yeah maybe maybe that could be something uh another thing is wealth so this definitely i think rings a bell for the certain time periods where a lot of royal families would have a really like a lot of exotic animals and a lot of strange animals and and this is because um it may have just been an honest signal of a person's wealth you know if you if you can care for an animal it shows that you have adequate extra resources to provide for it you know some people wouldn't be able to keep animals because of this so this is probably a little bit further down the line when we're talking about you know kings and queens and and things like that owning these like elephants and giraffes and and stuff yeah well that is a big one because i had i had to go to the tower of london um last year not for crimes (laughs) don't worry um i (laughs) it was uh it was a job i was um i was working as a student ambassador at my university and i went with a group of foreign students to like you know take them on a coach uh and go and look around these like Uh, sightseeing things so being you know the kind of facilitator for that I got to go as well and you look around all these things uh all these places in the Tower of London and there's like statues and uh information about how you know the one of the king's lived there had like a polar bear gifted to them or like a tiger and an elephant and having these like exotic animals and keeping them i mean obviously we're talking royalty here but yeah that would have been seen as like a massive you know power play it's really (laughs) interesting and uh another thing is is like social so it seems that there is obviously evolutionary benefits to keeping pets because we are ourselves social beings as we've spoken about a lot in our podcast you know we do crave that kind of social gratification the company we don't like to be lonely a lot of the time pets can obviously provide this social aspect to not being alone you know humans which lack social support in the evolutionary sense were always more vulnerable to disease and infection so if you keeping a pet 
you know makes you feel more comforted makes you feel more social then then that is obviously going to be a benefit to you no no matter what point you're at whether you're living in modern times it's always nice to have a dog if you you know you're on your own uh, or back in cave james's time where i don't know it just made him feel a little bit safer and a little bit more comforted to have a dog so but it's worth saying that um there's there's been like a lot of analysis and research on worldwide pet keeping and actually not a lot of people in certain countries necessarily treats their pet well or see them necessarily as pets some a lot of countries unfortunately do treat them treat them cruelly as a things in sort of tribes in new guinea they have sort of pets and animals but they don't treat them well um it, it all depends like it's a really interesting perspective we do not have enough time to go on to this but um yeah but whereas like it, there's a tribe in kenya that only keep the dogs for protection so they they have them as you know they are technically pets to an extent but they don't have a word for pet in their language the dogs are never cuddled or allowed inside but they're really important for them for keeping them protected um and, and sort of protect right. the dogs so it's so interesting it's a you know i think it's a it is a western thing to an extent i think keeping pets but even so when i was like in jungles and stuff like tribes and places they they will have like cats around and dogs around they may not be treated like we necessarily treat them but it's it's really going to vary from country to country um it is a bit of a privileged thing to have a pet because obviously if you do have if you are able to feed it then that obviously must mean that you have some money but overall to summarize the science section I'd say that we keep them for a wide range of reasons and maybe we are predisposition to it. Maybe it's just so in our culture from Cave James's time from, you know, 27 million years ago that we have this connection with animals. It is something that makes us human. And uh, it's just, it's really interesting. It's, it's such an interesting topic. I do not have the time to, to speak on it fully today, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I definitely recommend reading into it or watching some documentaries if you're interested. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely interesting. And what I really love as well is that, you know, like we were talking about beforehand, it has absolutely nothing to do with gender. It is just a human experience. You can be a uh, man, woman, non-binary, gender fluid, and that it has no bearing on, like, whatever people should think. That, like, there's no basis for, for any of that, uh, you know, kind of stereotype noise it's just yeah a very much a human very human thing to do to bond with animals um and yeah and i think yeah, yeah like you said it's it's more about um yeah each individual animal because they have such different personalities and every different pet that someone someone has will be completely yeah. different to someone else's yeah. cat or dog or whatever um but yeah clearly like it's just such a such a part of us as human beings to kind of have this um yeah propensity of bonding with animals um so yeah it's nice it's not it's not uh you know it might be it might be culturally seen as a luxury but in terms of us as human beings it's not it's part of just yeah who we are yeah. what makes us human it is argued a lot with the whole wealth thing because i i think it's something to to recognize but actually it has no real meaning in regards to us keeping pets because if you look at the domestication of dogs and wolves and cats and everything i mean that was happening like you know thousands of years ago and it wouldn't have necessarily been anything to do with that it's just evolved into something it's just pet keeping has evolved into many different kind of forms like whether it was for protection and then just ended up just being social it, there's so many layers to it and i don't think we're ever really going to fully understand it but it's an interesting topic do we do we have anything for creative corner we do yes yes um <clears throat> 
excuse me, just choking on my own um, love <laughs> of pets. Uh, <laughs> Um, really this week uh, I just wanted to kind of almost shine a little bit of a spotlight on a particular artistic endeavour so there is a photographer called Brianne is that Wills or Willis? It's Wills. Uh, sorry, I could. I was too far away from my screen. Um, Brianne Wills. Uh, she runs an ongoing project called Girls and Their Cats. Uh, this project has been running since 2015, and over the years since then, she's photographed more than 300 women with their cats across the US. Uh, she also has, I think, just recently brought out a book with some of the portraits as well and some of the stories uh, of, you know, these women and, and what their relationship um, with their pets are like. I love it. So I she, yeah, I do too. Um, you can check this out, actually. It's literally www.girlsandtheircats.com. Um, just all one word. Um, and this, actually, she started this project with the goal of debunking the crazy cat lady stereotype. Uh, she talks about how she wanted other people to see cat-owning women the way she saw them, uh, as unique, cool, and interesting women who love their cats. Um, so the subjects, um, both human and feline, are photographed in quite candid moments. Um, she sort of sits them down, chats to them, gets to know them, makes sure the animal feels comfortable in her presence, and so does the human. Um, and then, yeah, what, when you know the owner and the, the pet are, are playing, she kind of snaps something that's like, yeah, quite a candid, not really posed moment. Um, you know, that it's, it's more of a natural setting of really trying to capture that bond. Uh, and in the book, uh, when you have the inclusion of the stories that uh, some of these women have decided to share, um, it's some of the some of the women actually touch on topics of like past trauma or abuse, uh, and they're actually having you know uh, a, a different kind of you know relationship with an animal um, to you know be in their safe space and and love them and have this kind of you know really uh, fulfilling bond um, could really be part of their healing process as well um and yeah really really beneficial to their mental health and their emotional health uh and the photographer brianne wills found that um actually these stories resonate with a lot of readers so again you know much like what you're saying as well nikki like it really speaks to our human experience of like you know we we have this this natural ability to create a bond with these animals and it can actually do so much good for our for our well-being yeah um, which is really, really fantastic. Um, so yeah, she uh, interspersed throughout the, the book are what she describes as cute and relatable listicles, like you know you're a cat lady when, or like cat's tail language explained. Um, that did kind of surprise me a little bit, as she's not completely doing away with the terminology of being a cat lady. She's more redefining what she thinks the term should mean. A cat lady doesn't have to be negative. Like saying you're a cat lady, there's no there's no negative connotations there. But if you're a crazy cat lady, then there's immediately negative connotations. And so I like that. It's like it's like reclaiming the word, like what we're doing with not for girls. Um, it's exactly. it's nice. And I've just had a look at it, and honestly, I love the photos, and I'm actually tempted to get this now because it's really cool. It's it's really. It just seems really nice and really positive, and I like any re- like recla- reclamation. Is that a word? I'm using it. Yeah, reclamation. reclamation. Yeah, I like exactly. the reclamation of a yeah. negative thing and making it to a positive thing. Yes, totally. And you'll also love the fact that um, one of the underlying messages of her book as well is adopt, don't yes. shop. 
um so yeah it's it's really wholesome really uplifting and yeah the, the photographs really are beautiful as well like these like the the women are beautiful the cats are beautiful like the moments are so heartwarming um you know seeing the the portraits and and yeah the photography project uh she's had to i think um kind of close off submissions because so yeah. many people want to have her take their portrait she's kind of said i'm sorry i can't <laughs> can't take it yeah. anymore right now i've got way too many uh requests but um it's just a really fantastic thing that obviously this project is you know has has done and is still doing um what she set out to do uh and is is you know reaching further and wider and than, than she perhaps would have hoped but um but yeah it's really amazing to see and I, I just kind of yeah it's more of a kind of spotlight uh creative corner on like look at this cool thing because um, I, really I just nice, I do too I think it's a really fantastic example of a piece of work which is really creative but it's also a commentary slash challenge to an aspect of our culture and you know like I'm always harping on about how art is really well placed to do that um and yeah and I so I just think this is a really nice and really topical example for this week so yeah www.girlsandtheircats.com um go and check out the photos we'll try and share some on Instagram um obviously copyright permitting (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I think that's awesome I think you're doing a spotlight creative corner is really cool as well because that's what you want to do isn't it it's highlight creative things that are related to the topic that that could uh kind of define what we're talking about and what we're saying and and that's definitely a big part of it is kind of you know being able to look at the stereotypes and just be like no not having any of this. Yeah. like we we touched upon briefly about the whole like thing of you know women having small dogs and and stuff like that it's just not true like i know so many women that you know have a variety of dogs and so many men that have a variety of dogs years and yeah like people are going to have a variety of different animals and it's you know it's it's ridiculous for anybody to ever judge somebody on the type of pet that they have unless it's like a fucking alligator in your back garden um in which case i might be like mate what are you doing but yeah, yeah we're not going into the joe exotic territory here. <laughs> no, no way, no. <laughs> but yeah it's it's just it's really interesting and i i think we've we've nailed this topic this week i think we've covered literally anything we could have like everything we could have done and uh totally uh, yeah. yeah it's been really really awesome to um to talk about so yeah um I, and yeah i think that's what i'm taking away is that like it's just a great wholesome thing um has no bearing on us in terms of like gender it's just a human thing and yeah if those stereotypes are out there then they're bullshit (laughs) just trailblaze right the hell through them (laughs) well yeah if anything we've confirmed that those stereotypes are definitely bullshit so yep for sure we did what we set out to do (laughs) awesome cool all right well if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us uh you can do so uh you have our gmail um address which is not for girls podcast at gmail.com you can email us there if you would like and you can follow us on all of our socials at not for girls pod on twitter and instagram yep and if you fancy rating reviewing and subscribing um we would absolutely love you forever and that would really help other people find us in the future thank you so much (laughs) we'll uh we will close down for today. I'm going to be, I'm going to go, I can't go hug my ex Zora, but I can go gaze at her from her water tank, her water home. Um, and we'll just <laughs> yeah. think about how we, we still want pets and we don't have them yet, but we will. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.